Hi everyone, it's Mike, cutting in here to let you know that we've launched a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash We've also opened our Discord server to the public. The invite link for that is also at our Patreon page. As always, you can get updates on when episodes go live via Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Please, enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Tori. Hello, Internet. Dave. Hi. And Craig. Yo. Uh, so we generally start with good thing. Um, Dave, why don't you give us your good thing this week? Oh, certainly. Not a doubt. I have right here my good thing for this week. <laughs> Is a video game re- remixer by the name of TPR Tango Papa Romeo. Just three letters. He does some really lovely melancholy piano of mostly older games like Final Fantasy, Ocarina of Time, Chrono Trigger. Uh, my my favorite work of his is the Final Fantasy VI re- uh, melancholy remix album. Okay. Uh, Craig, why don't you go next? Alright. My good thing is a little known game called The Elder Scrolls 3. I've never <laughs> heard Morrowind. of such a thing. Morrowind. Yeah, I know. You guys have heard of it. Oblivion. But, dude, when I first played it, like, I don't, I don't remember how I was exposed to it. It was way back when it first came out. Like, we're not talking like I recently stumbled upon this. We're talking about I played it back when it first came out, but it was amazing. Just the the world that they made, the whole open-ended, you can go anywhere, you have all these quests, there's all these factions you can join, there's stuff that's happening, but you don't have to follow it because it's open world. I was like, and plus the leveling system of doing thing to get better at thing, I love that. Not just, just don't do it, I did. What's that? I, I talked to a guard for two hours and leveled up my conversation. Which, <laughs> and then you leveled. And you level up and it makes all the enemies harder and you don't have any more combat stats. <laughs> I totally did something like that. It wasn't speed, <laughs> but I forget. It was like some useless stat. And I'm like, oh man, it's going to be really high. And then, holy crap, all the enemies are now difficult because it scales. And like, yeah, so I had so many good times on playing it. And I actually got decently far like playing it legitimately. I didn't beat it, but I got through most of the story. And every now and then, like, I'll go back and play Morrowind with a couple extra mods built in. I remember the first time I went back and played like all these different mods. Like I added like a climate mod and a and a uh a nature uh animal type things added in the background and things like that. And I'm like, hey, it, was, it was good stuff. And just Morrowind itself, like the way the world is, it wasn't a typical fantasy setting because of the the planet or planet the uh the island that it takes place on so you had like you know giant mushrooms and things like that because it's weird and it's not like the typical thing and just the the architecture the design the atmosphere everything's so good and don't get me wrong i've been playing skyrim recently really love skyrim too um but i still think i would rank morrowind as my favorite of the elder scrolls games morrowind skyrim and then Oblivion. And I, I actually was one of those ones that I liked Oblivion, but there were some things that annoyed me about it. So, Morrowind my, is so good. My favorite thing about Morrowind was how broken it was. Uh, specifically, <laughs> yeah. 
specifically like potion making, you could make a really, really simple potion that improved your intelligence. And once you drank that potion, you could make another potion because potion skill was based on intelligence. And all of this would compound until after like 20 minutes of screwing around with potions, you could have like plus 80,000 to your intelligence to last for about 12 years in game. That's <laughs> <laughs> what speedrunners do, though. You, you do that very thing. No, speedrunners don't even mess with that. Speedrunners just finish the game in five minutes. Yeah, I think you might have mentioned it before, Mike. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's really sad. I I probably have. It's it's super fun. It's like my favorite thing because like once you get your buffs up that high, you can just make potions for all of your stats, and then you you are the god king. It's sort of a emperor meter stick. They. They got rid of that in Skyrim just to sort of restrict people a little more. They got rid of the whole crafting your own potions and like because you can enchant, but it's not like broken because it's based on your enchanting skill, not on your intelligence stat. All right, Tori, what's your good thing? My good thing is my husband. Oh, hi, Matt. At the time of recording, it is his 36th birthday. Holy crap. I just ha- turned 36, too. Happy birthday, Matt. Happy birthday, Craig. <laughs> hey, it's Matt. Huh? Yeah, I caught him as he was walking through the room. Our special <laughs> guest, Matt, for the recording. Right. What's your good thing, Matt? Uh, Matt, what's your good thing? My wife. Well, that's so, sappy and sweet. It was sappy. Just so like Raiden and Samus. All right. Did you have anything else about Matt and his birthday? Well, uh, since we've started doing the podcast, I have got him reading the Sanderson books. Oh, snap. Really enjoying them. Uh, he did read Mistborn back in the day when I read it for the first time. Uh, I've told you the story of how when I got to the end of the trilogy, I handed him the whole trilogy and said, you have to read this because the ending is so perfect. I can't even explain to you how perfect it is. You just oh, have to. Spoiler. This isn't spoiler uh, time. <laughs> but um, so when we took a, a vacation over the summer that involved driving, uh, I got him to listen to Elantris and he liked it. So after that, I got him into Way of Kings, and now he is just about finished with Oathbringer, and he's really enjoying it. And uh, every day when he comes home from work and he's listening to the books on his commute, he, uh, he'll sit down at the dinner table and be like, okay, so tell me what's the thing with these Spren, or you know, he'll ask some random question about <laughs> the... Stormlight books, and I, I'm just really entertained. <laughs> it sounds like he should come onto this podcast so he can ask his questions. <laughs> right? Indeed, um, he should, yes. Yeah, when he's done reading Oathbringer, I'm going to try to get him to listen to the podcast. Yay. Nice. Alright, so my good thing uh, is there is every year um, starts in December, continues until they're done, most years start in January. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> uh, there is a a race between a couple of streamers that I watch. Uh, they are Seven Sins and Background Guy Two. Oh, snap! Uh, they call it the Final Fantasy Fiesta. 
wherein uh, they each start with Final Fantasy 1, they end with whatever the latest numbered game is, in this case Final Fantasy 15, but we'll see where we are in a few years. Um, and they're just racing against in each other. Years, we're still going to be on 15. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, and like as they're doing this, uh, each of their communities, which there's a lot of crossover between them, lots of people watch, you know, both of them, um, donates money to either of them to unlock extra incentives to like add more to whatever they have to do. Um, in the case of like Final Fantasy IV, um, they have to then like if if the incentive is met, they after beating the game. They would have to then play the After Years, which is kind of a Ooh. DLC, kind of its own game. Just it's extra extra time onto the thing. Um, it's a lot of fun to watch. They they very definitely have like different strengths in different games. Neither of them plays much of like the early early games. Um, Seven Sins is a Final Fantasy VII speedrunner background guy. I believe has Final Fantasy X as one of his main speed games. Um, anyway, so yeah, they have, they have very definitely like different strengths in different games. And the one major rule that they have is that they are not allowed to run away from any battles, which is how most of us would play these games. Yep. And yeah. Dude, it's so fun to watch them in the background, like just having it on and being background. able to like sort of experience the game with them. Like you said, more how we would play it, not how a speedrunner would play it. And yeah, they know some tricks, but they're still, it's going to be closer to, like you said, how we play it. And plus, I know at least background guy, because he, he's the one I normally watch, he does a rerun when he goes to bed. So even if you miss part of it, hey, you can watch the day's events later on that night, maybe if you're a night person or a morning person. Yep. And they're both like excellent streamers, even outside of this event. Uh, but this is also... I think this is how I got in the background, guys, from this event last, last year. Yeah, this this is, I'm pretty sure, how both of them make the bulk of their income for the year. Um, they get a lot of money thrown at them for this. It's, it's fairly impressive, honestly. Um, so yeah, that was my good thing. Uh, Dave, we had a bunch of chapters this week. Uh, seven through eleven to finish out part one. What what you got for chapter seven? Yeah, uh, I know that uh, last week I said that I was going to get right on and I was really excited, but life happened and I actually waited to the last minute, so everything's uh, nice and fresh in my mind right now. So that's good. <laughs> uh, okay, so chapter seven. Let's go with the bullet points here. Sazed is finding it hard to be the giver. But at least he can wear his consummate V-neck. Wait, 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 wait. Is this the giver as in capital G? Yeah, like the nice. guy from the book, Giver. It yeah. just kind of reminded me of how he like has all of the... He's got all the memories. Because... memories. Yeah. He does. <laughs> exactly. Such a good point. He's the giver. And he has uh, his consummate V... His uh, coat of many consummate Vs. Coat of many consummate Vs. <laughs> uh, I said consummate Vs. Consummate. And then everyone's uh, hiding. And this one lady comes out and she's like, Lord Roller's back. So I guess they forgot one of the Horcruxes. And then a uh, gasp. It turns out Marsh is the seventh Horcrux. Uh, Marsh wait, and wait, says it. Wait. 
We went a whole episode without <laughs> mentioning Harry Potter, and now you bring it up. Oh, yeah, last week. I didn't did mention so Harry well. Potter last week, are you sure? <laughs> I don't think you did. No, I, I don't think you did either. Wow. Um, <laughs> I had I had such a brief moment of happiness, and now it's gone. <laughs> but, like, it it's appropriate points, though. I mean, it makes sense. Is it? Sure. It's Continue. not really the Lord Ruler, though. It's just Marsh, and they thought he was the Lord Ruler. Man, spoilers. Would have got away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Marsh talks CZ into uh, breaking into a library. They're nerds. And oh, I'm sorry, Tori. <laughs> um, so anyway, Marsh is reunited with CZ, and he's like, hey, my brethren... Uh, the other steel people left this library. I need you to come help me ransack it and get the info and stuff. Um, but, you know, Shazad's a little suspicious. Marsh is acting kind of funny, not like his normal self. Uh, no. What's interesting is that uh, normally if a chondra takes over somebody's body, the telltale sign is that the eyes look different, but Marsh doesn't have any eye. Hmm. Or how that would work. Is that mentioned uh, as a telltale point? Yeah. They have green eyes or something. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't think it's that easy. Yeah, no. You're I remembering. Think I think no. you invented that. Like, they've yeah. got like they've got like horizontal slits in their eyes. I thought no, what? What was the whole thing about uh the Lord Renault wouldn't stand under close scrutiny? I thought that was the whole point. That has nothing to do with his eyes. So humans have round pupils and robots have square pupils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's witchers. Witchers have the slit pupils. Uh, anyway, but it's Marsh funny is acting that you funny. mentioned this thing. Either he maybe is like, uh, maybe actually getting into the whole steel ministry thing and, or maybe there's some kind of like latent effects of his transformation to steel inquisitor. Or maybe it's just he's hiding something else. Who knows? But he's acting. And this library is called the Conventicle of Seren. Conventicle of Seren. That's chapter seven. The Convent of Seren, rap. (laughs) Conventional oven. Don't don't put your aluminum foil in it. Your oopsium foil. (laughs) That's why it's it's oopsium. Because you put it in your microwave. Clearly. The microwave disappears. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, that's chapter seven in a nutshell. Marsh uh, finds, says it, and asks him to help him break into a library. All right, chapter eight. This place I would go after the apocalypse is I, I would hit the library. <laughs> no, for real. There's all these survival books in there. Yeah, library's got you covered, you guys. Plus the plus the binding is made out of bacon, and you can eat the you can eat the you can eat the binding from the books because it's made out of bacon. Right. It depends on the publisher, but that's a thing. Uh huh. That was the thing. That was the thing in uh, Sanderson one. Sanderson (laughs) one. In the they eat the the books are made out of bacon. They wished it was, or it was made out of like lambskin or or rawhide or something. I got it. (laughs) 
right, chapter eight. Uh, Craig, why don't you read the uh, memory alpha summary of chapter eight? The me- <laughs> Is it because you're missing bullet points? No, I just I like it, and I had it originally written as my first bullet point, basically. So but I want you to read it. All right, this is my paraphrasing of the Coppermine wiki. So trademark Coppermine. Um, Vin's doing some patrolling. Or Sir actually sort of keeps up with her, which is pretty cool. Well, I thought um, this is the one sentence you posted in Discord. That was chapter six, which was Vin takes oh, her chapter- out for a walk. But she also does that in chapter eight. So hey, but that's what, oh, that was my mistake. Vin okay. takes her canter so, out for a walk. Part two. Hey. He really got to go to the bathroom. So you know, well, what? Marcus oh. territory. The funny thing is, when you said he somehow keeps up, that reminded me of a very specific uh, concept from another source material. And so my bullet point is Vin and Awesome play Sonic and Tails. Oh, nice. a million times faster than Tails, but he somehow always catches up. It's like, wait, where did you come from? <laughs> yeah, that's basically how Ensemble oh, works. He, he's no way he's as fast as Vin, but he's always right behind. Nice. Um, to take us even further on this tangent, Tails' real name is Miles Prower. That is miles per hour. And continue. Wah, wah. <laughs> Yeah, I knew that. Did you ever notice? You better knew that. That's like pun is your middle name. That's why Tails is in quotation marks whenever they write it. Just to remind you, it's not his real name. Uh, okay, my next bullet point says Mal Atium. And then Vin chases Watcher. Vin burns Duralumin to see how Watcher responds. Awesome. Shows up and clippies her. Vin and Watcher shoot the mist. <laughs> Oh, so kangaroos a vile. I used a lot of nouns as verbs. It happens. Uh, so uh, one thing that's mentioned is the word malatium, which is funnily enough the name of the eleventh metal, gold, the gold alloy. Uh, I would have thought that atium would be. It's called malatium. I would have thought that it would be the opposite of atium, but it is the eleventh uh, metal. Uh, <laughs> Stop distracting me. Better Why are you out. reading the Discord? In case it's important. Um, anyway, so we learn the name, the the actual name of the metal that is the 11th metal is Malate, Gold Alloy. Uh, Vin chases the Watcher. You remember this as the guy that, uh, you know, always been hanging around and Vin suspects that he's been trying to assassinate Ellen. He actually lends Vin a hand with another group of assassins earlier on in Chapter 2, I think. And she kind of corners him into a spot where he was planning to burn copper and lose her. But what the Watcher doesn't realize, Vin suspects, is that Vin can actually pierce copper clouds and can use her bronze to detect Alamancy. And sure enough, he's there in hiding. She doesn't want to play her hand, and she sees this as the perfect opportunity to test her new medal that she has no idea what it does. Uh, what she basically says, you know, her line of thinking is, you know, you don't, if you burn copper, you don't really sense anything unless there's another Alamancer nearby, then he senses something in you or the lack of something. So maybe. 
Duralumin is the same way, maybe you'll only notice the effects if there's uh if you see if somebody else nearby burns it. So she burns her Duralumin and there's really loud noise because oh. it enhances the power of her tin. Did you um, just burn Duralium? <laughs> no, you did. That's true. <laughs> And it's called Duralumin. Um, anyways, so she finds that uh, the Duralumin <laughs> enhanced her enhanced tin enhancement. <laughs> and it That's also... Word word, right? So she was burning... And so all the uh, metals that she was burning at the time, tin and bronze, those were all... I don't remember... Maybe even pewter at the time, I don't remember. But anyway, whatever she was burning at that moment is basically gone now. You guys got it. Was pewter as it's well. like it's like burning the metal, but not burning. It's like uh flaring the metal, but even more so. So it's like insta flare. You're flaring the flare. Uh but anyways, in the confusion of the loud noises that she hears due to her enhanced uh, tin enhancement. She loses the watcher, which so well. She loses the watcher for a moment, and uh, oh, shows up and he says, "I see that you're trying to burn Duralumin. Would you care for some help with that?" <laughs> uh, so Orsor is Clippy. He's Clippy. Yeah. He just he just pops up and asks if she needs assistance. <laughs> She's he is the uh, Microsoft. I mean, she does partially collapse, so. It's not that weird. Yeah. But anyway, the Watcher's actually still there and has a little chat. And she's like, who are you? And he says, an enemy. And she, he seems sort of familiar to her, but she doesn't know who he is. Uh, they have, they shoot the breeze or shoot the mist. They have a little chit chat. and <laughs> Don't shoot like breeze. We like breeze. They shoot the mist. <laughs> Don't shoot breeze. Hey, this isn't chapter 11. Shoot um, the mist. Hey, real quick. Yeah. Who's Zane? Who's Zane? Yeah. Zane the... Okay, I may have given you this slightly before you actually get it for yourself. The Watcher's name is Zane. Who is he? Isn't he like a magician? Who do you think he is? Who do I think he is? Yes. Who do you think the Watcher is? Oh, man. His name is Zane. I apologize for giving that to you ahead of time. It'll show up soon, I'm sure. It must be Zane. That's yeah. the only Yeah, but who is he? Uh hmm. Did you know who There's so many is, like people. Well he calls himself an enemy. He wonder if he could be like Straff. That would be interesting. Uh I mean I I want to believe that it could possibly be Kelsier somehow, so that we could have more Kelsier. Um We all want more Kelsier in our lives. I also considered that Maybe it could somehow be uh, what's his face, Alendi. Like if it could actually be Alendi, that would be pretty insane. Like if he somehow survived, and it was just waiting for Lord Ruler to die so he could hop in the Well of Ascension. How could anyone possibly survive for a thousand years? There's certainly no precedent for that at all. <laughs> in the snow. In the snow. Yeah. Very up to their neck in snow. That is the answer. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I could only guess. I mean, it things that you would think maybe like uh, 
oh, maybe it could be somehow Marsh, but Marsh is not anywhere near Lucidel right now. Or maybe it could be Ellen, but uh, other chapters that are written from Ellen's perspective specify that he's not an Alamancer. What if Marsh has an evil twin? Kelsier? <laughs> what if Marsh has an Wait eviler twin? An eviler it could be, um, it could be Reen. He's still alive, right? What if it's Marsh pretending to be Reen with a goatee? <laughs> with a goatee? Clearly. You mean a, a half beard? <laughs> the Watcher definitely has a goatee. You can say no, that. we we established that a half beard is just shaving half of your face. No, I don't. It's a, <laughs> I don't want to. It's like the beard from the soldier tokens in Magic the Gathering. That's what it is. Okay. They're not the soldier. The vampire tokens. Keep going with uh, with chapter seven. No. Chapter eight? What are we on? Maybe Chapter it's eight. somebody that we know. Not, maybe it's somebody that we know, but that we didn't know to be an Alamancer or Mistborn, but maybe somehow like snapped in the events of the past year. But remember, Vin doesn't specifically recognize him so much as he looks familiar. So, yeah. Oh no, what if it's Menace? <laughs> Menace. It could be, um, oh, who's... The other thing, okay, there is another character that I was suspecting it might be, and who's actually introduced uh, in a couple chapters. So there, that was also a thought. Okay, we'll talk about it when I get to him. Okay. This is a character introduced actually in chapter 11, 10 or 11. Uh, so, yeah. So Finn's like, I'm going to make you a harness so you can carry my vials. And also, it's like, that won't be necessary. And opens up like skin on his shoulder. Put the vial in. Not the violin, but the vial in my shoulder. And she she does and shoulder skin closes back up. So he's a kangaroo now. And presumably she then like touches that vial with her mouth later. Gross. <laughs> it's pretty gross. <laughs> but I mean also, is still upset that she has to, you know, he has to uh, be a dog. So. Okay, so that's chapter eight. Uh, chapter nine, my summary says it's two pages. That's my summary. Uh, <laughs> chapter nine. <laughs> chapter nine is just uh, Marsh and Sazed on their way to the library, and Marsh is like, "Why are you wasting your time up here?" And Sazed's like, "Ah, oh, it's my duty." Marsh is like, what about your duty to your friends and to Vin and the Luthadel? They need you right now. And Sazed's like, yeah, you're right. After we bust the library, let's go to Luthadel. Road and trip. It's this, this whole internal struggle with Sazed because basically born and bred with his purpose of being a keeper, but he never really took to that destiny. And he was always kind of a rebel and didn't, uh, didn't always act the way that his uh, keeper conclave wanted him to. And part of him just misses his friends and wants to go back to Luthadel. So he's kind of, uh, Marsh is kind of nudging him in the direction that he really honestly wants to go anyway. So, okay. So real quick, imagine this chapter as, as like a scene shot for a TV show. It's Marsh and Sazed. Marsh says, go to Luthadel. Sazed says no. And then stands there silent for like 10 minutes. <laughs> And that's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the scene. Most of the chapter is internal <laughs> contemplation. <laughs> <of the same. laughs> 
But I mean, in a TV show, you would have the voiceover representing Sazed's thought. But he's oh. just standing there. Aren't they like riding? Wait, they are. I think it specifically says they're not riding horses. They're traveling. Um, have you guys ever seen any clips of Arrested Development with the voiceover taken out? No. I. How could you? How could you snuff Ron Howard like that? It's fantastic. Everybody just stands around awkwardly for like minutes <laughs> at a time without saying anything. I should do, I should do that. that. Wonderful. It's way better than like dumb sitcoms with the laugh track removed. Which is funny because there are pauses in some series too because they have to allow for applause. All right, chapter ten. Chapter ten. Not too Chapter binary two. Council meeting with Phylon and Penrod. Lunch break. Vin notices a suspicious terrorist woman. A wild another army appears. Uh, so <laughs> this is Ellen's days uh, finally come to give his speech to talk to council, council into not immediately surrendering to Strath. And uh, we have two influential politicians here on the board one is named Phylon. he's a merchant kind of a new class that emerged uh, at the fall of the final empire these are basically they would have been ska before they would have been basically ska like clubs that have a trade and can make a, a meager living for themselves but now that they have more freedom and they have um, more drive than the other ska and even most of the noblemen they can actually uh, make off pretty well. This is the merchant class, and Phylon is representing them. And then Penrod is one of the noble representations on the council, and he is described as an elderly statesman. So Ellen is like, we can't surrender right away. And Phylon, the merchant, says, we got to surrender right away and try to get let Straff know that we're not going to cause him any trouble because he's going to beat us up anyway. And then Penrod is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let Ellen talk to him so he can at least try to talk Straff into getting us some freedom when he inevitably takes over. And it's kind of like a shallow victory for Ellen because he he won his vote, but really only because this Penrod guy stuck up and uh, stood up. And uh, Vin is watching from the back as his bodyguard, and she's uh, not happy with the way others take advantage of Ellen's meekness. He, he wants to make sure that everyone's involved and that everybody has influence, but a lot of people are using that power against Ellen and taking power away from him, uh, you know, more so than he intends. And then they go on a lunch break, and during the break, Vin spots a suspicious terrorist woman, and she's like, Ellen, watch out for that chick over there. And he's like, you're paranoid, but you're beautiful. And <laughs> clubs' messengers show up and tell Ellen that there is another army waiting at the gates. Storm loop. That's the end of chapter 10. I All think right. we should just jump straight into 11. Because right, that's kind of how they, how they flow. Yeah, yeah. Chapter Chapter Ten ends with "There's another army here," and then Chapter Eleven is them going onto the walls to scout out the uh, new army that's coming. And as the scouts are flaring their tin to see what's going on in the distance, they note recognize Breeze on horseback fleeing from the second army, and 
uh, they're like, we got to send messengers, but there's horseback archers chasing him down and they're going to get to him in no time. So Vin has no time to spare. She burns her steel to push off of fire. She burns her pewter. She burns her duralumin and just flies across the entire city and lands right next to uh, where Bre- land flops right next to him, basically. <laughs> Uh, but she does have backup vials, and as she's landing, she uh, she swallows extra pewter and steel, and is able to swallow the pewter and and burn it to steady her landing just a bit. She lands. That's pretty. She's like, what? She's falling. She pulls out her other vials. Pretty impressive. And anyways, she uh, causes enough of a commotion to get the horseback archers off a of breeze and. They run back and have a charming little reunion while uh, Breeze is like, oh, he's cocky as ever. And he's like, oh, I'm back. And uh, that's exactly Elend is how like, he sounds, too. Oh, he sounds wow. like Fraser Crane. So Ellen is like, oh, Breeze, you're too late. You could have stopped this other army from coming. And Breeze is like, what do you mean? I brought them here. And... Ellen's like, why would you do that? And uh, Breeze actually uh, very wisely talks about how if you have two forces in conflict, stronger force will pretty much always win. But if you have three forces and you have uh, two very strong forces that are about equal and then a third weaker force, then the weaker force actually has the advantage. And... I thought it was actually kind of funny. This actually kind of paralleled with the council meeting that Ellen had. It was like, it was basically like uh, Phylon and Penrod at opposition and Ellen came out on top because of the, like the three-way argument. Yeah. I didn't know if that was intentional or not, that they were kind of parallel. Uh, but anyways, they are all heading back to the uh, walls to check out what's going on and when they get back to Keep Venture uh, I didn't write down his name this guy the guy who was the like the cool army guy from Demo okay Demo who's like the second in command of the army which I think is really cool because we we remember him from the first book he was the guy that was loyal to Kelsier's cause and didn't uh, follow uh, the other French guy, when he went to go get Aiden. the army killed off. Aiden. Aiden, yes. Uh, yeah, so anyway, Demo is like, uh, we found a skeleton in Vin's room, and they're like, oh, ha ha ha, that's just her her dog's treat. It's, that's fine. And they're like, oh, what about this other skeleton we found in Vin's room? And they're like, uh-oh, we have a mystery. Uh, so basically, the uh, first skeleton they find are the discarded remains of the previous body of Ensemble. And he, they, he just like kind of, like, he's like, Vin, I thought you were going to clean up the bones. And Vin was like, oh, I thought you were going to clean up the bones. <laughs> but then I just had the maids came and cleaned them up. But then when they found the skeleton, they brought in some dogs and dogs sniffed out another skeleton in the closet. And uh, Leaving through, skeletons in the closet <laughs> through enhanced uh, sense of smelling, Ben and Ensemble are able to determine that this skeleton has been in the closet but a few hours. 
So they have another conjurer in their midst, and they have to figure out who is the imposter. What's even the point of having maids if they won't clean up a skeleton for you? <laughs> <laughs> they did. They just like, they just like, we're like, you guys done with this? I don't want to throw it out if you're still using it. So something I want to point out is that Demo is actually named uh, as a, it's a friend of Brandon Sanderson's, Mikai uh, Demo, who, who did photos for the book jackets and stuff. So Brandon's like, hey, I'm going to name a character after you. There you go. Oh, nice. Cool. There's actually a number of characters that are named after like friends, students, probably teachers as well. Um, Girls that wrote fanfics about his book. Yeah. Uh, Brandon's assistant, Peter Alstrom, gets mentioned, or gets a lot of stuff named for him throughout the books. I don't think anything yet early on, but yeah, like later on, his name shows up constantly. Um, Uh, So, as I was mentioning before, I was wondering if perhaps Penrod could be Zane. He's kind of like this... He's kind of like his dominant force, but Vin, so that he's, he ha- definitely has his own agenda and Vin would like kind of maybe recognize his, his mouth that shows up under his cloak, but not, oh wait, he doesn't wear a mist cloak. I think that's brought up. But anyway, she only kind of like sees his smile. So she might sort of recognize it, but couldn't put her finger on where she knows it from. So yeah, I think Penrod is a good candidate for the uh, watcher. Okay. Um so this actually leads into um my single favorite plot in the entire Mistborn six books that we have so far, which is Find the Chandra. I love this plot. It's so good. Awesome. So speaking of which, uh what are your thoughts, Dave? Probably not Vin. <laughs> I give it like a thirty percent for not Vin. Thirty <laughs> percent. I actually, when they first 35. said they found another skeleton, I was like, "Is that Kelsier's skeleton?" But apparently not. That would have been. <laughs> they left Kelsier's skeleton around for a I year. I feel like you just want Kelsier to pop up. Yeah, but maybe like he left Kelsier's bones. Somewhere and some other conjurer picked it up and will show up as Kelsier. That would be. Then there wouldn't be a mystery. They would know immediately that that's him. Like, huh? Uh, so who could it be? Guy who's supposed to be dead. Take that. It's probably not Breeze. He was out of town. Uh, it could easily be like Spook or Clubs. It's like they said at the end of the chapter. Uh, or it could just be some maid. Hmm. I don't know. But we're going to have to suspect everybody from here on out. Everybody. What if, and bear with me here, what if the Chandra is Keep Venture? What if the Chandra ate the whole building? (laughs) The whole... The bones, dude. But they're in there. Keep Venture didn't die, so... I can't believe I ate the whole thing. (laughs) Going to need some massive Toms. You know what? You guys are right. Credit Shaw is way more likely. <laughs> That's true. Uh, 
So I did also want to mention some of the ferrochemical metals that are mentioned in these past few chapters. So we already know some of them. We learned about copper being a storage for memory in Mistborn. We learned that. And we also, yeah. Are we going to get a graph? A ferrochemical graph? Maybe. Um, I need to definitely revise the allomancy one. First of all, put in the new names of the metals that we learned. And no, also, no, no. it has to be oopsium. Oopsium <laughs> no. and alleoopsium. <laughs> but, uh, okay. For some reason, I don't even know why I would have done this, but for some reason, I think I put atium and gold as opposites, even though we were already told that gold and 11th metal were likely opposites. So I have to update that, put in endurium or whatever. Uh, so anyway, we learn that, uh, I think we already knew this, that pewter is strength. And we also learned specifically that steel is the metal for storing speed. Uh, I suppose that these are all going to be the same as the eight basic allomantic metals. Uh, and we, so there's that. So we've got to figure out what goes with what. And we also have some other attributes that are known that we can store. There is youth and there is eyesight. Uh, I think tin is a good candidate for eyesight, but I don't know about youth. I'd have to put them all out and try to guess. Sort that of like seems one of like a stretch. Like tin, the metal that you burn to be able to see better, is also the metal that you store eyesight in. I, I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's not why I said it. I just said it because tin and I both have three letters. Oh, well, there you know you what? Go. I'm convinced now. Clearly, based on language. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, I feel like this last chapter, chapter 11, gave us a good actual like description and a showing of what Duralamin can actually do. Um, where the first time like Vin used accident. it, it yeah, it didn't really show off what, what it could do. It just showed off, like, this is how you do this badly. Yeah, that's true. So do you want to, like, talk more about that? Like, ask Dave what he thinks it does? I mean, I'm pretty sure he knows what it does. I feel like we got it pretty well hammered out. Okay, uh, flare's the flare. Yeah. Yeah, so do you have anything else, Dave, or are we kicking you off? Well, so this is the end of part one. That is true. Point that out. Um, and we briefly talked about, like, where it's... So, so overall, this is the end of part one. We see some of the troubles that the crew is going through. Like, where do you think the book is going? What do you think is the big plot? Uh, what's, well, what's the problem that they have to solve? I think that the greater problem is going to be the return of the deepness and the daylight mist and this uh, weird like shadow being that Vin saw in the mist are probably related to the deepness somehow. And it's going to gain power and she's going to have to go to the well and ascend. Uh, I'm also... I'm kind of meditating here right now because I know you guys have said that uh, Mist World, the name Mist again, Skadriel. Skadriel is 
a very important possibly hub world of the Cosmere. So I, I wonder how this like well of ascension is going to relate to the overall Cosmereness. Cosmerosity. There's a high degree of cosm wait, cosmerosity. Yeah. That's a word. Craig, say Duralumen. Dural Hold on. Duralumen. <laughs> there we go. Duralumen. I have to read it to say it. I know what it is. Now say Wern. <laughs> Wern? Emperor okay. Wern. Is he? Wait, what, what was he again? He was a king or emperor. Lord? High priest? The Pope. Pope. He was the, the Pope. Pope Wern. I'd, I'd specify evil Wern. Pope, but I mean, if you go back in history, I think you actually have like more evil Popes than not evil Popes, honestly. But only oh, during the Middle Ages did they have medieval Popes. But um, bum. <laughs> All right, I feel like we're running pretty dry here. Uh, this yeah. well of ascension has run dry. Anyway, well. go away, Dave. <laughs> All right, Dave. See you next week. Good night. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right, Dave is gone. All right, thank goodness he's gone. Waiting for the graphic. Oh, Waiting for it's the all graphic. There it is. Gotta... Yay. Um, okay. So, what so do we want to talk about like here? She has Tori. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Tori, hit us up. Well, the only thing I really want to talk about is um, Tinsoon is puppy. Oh, Tensoon indeed is puppy. Um, I have actually one very small thing on that. Uh, in the audiobooks, the voice changes from Orsur as a dude to Tensoon no. as a dog. Really? Yes. Which it's hard yeah, to spot. I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, it's hard to spot because it's, you know, it's a dog. Of course it's going to sound different. But right. no, nah, it's just a different dude. Dude? The hints? I know. Yeah. Um, I did but, sort of want to talk about that. And just going through the reread, number one, my favorite part are anytime Vin and Tensoon are together, which is a lot of the time because, you know, they go out on adventures together. But, like, I'm just, like, I'm there. I'm like, I got to read through this. This is some good stuff because, you know, their interaction, the character growth, the hints, like, all of that's there. That's, that's number one. Out also because that's the bit I'm enjoying. Yeah, uh, so I, I told you guys when I got my dog this year. Um, so the first time I read the Mistborn books His was name like is Tensoon. 2000, 2009 or it was it was a while ago, and then I read them again when we started doing this podcast. So I was reading them in like January ish, and um, my dog was born at the end of January. And I got him at the end of March. So now I'm reading it as a dog owner. Oh. And yeah, and it, it's really got more meaning for me this time. I don't, <laughs> I know I've already sounded sappy today, but I'm going to sound sappy. It's again. funny, though, because he yes. is sort of like a, he is a puppy. He, is he, puppy. he has all these different mannerisms. And I, I, I got to give props to Ten Soon on about this, even though he doesn't necessarily, he acts like he doesn't have a purpose. Because Orsir doesn't have a purpose, but 
Tensoon has a purpose, which is be Vince Kandra. Like, that's who he's supposed to be. And he adopts all these different puppy mannerisms, like sitting on his his haunches. And he does all of these things. I'm like, look, he's a puppy. Yeah. So, and now I've just got this mental picture of my dog in there. And uh, <laughs> because my dog is uh, Phantom is a husky uh, Belgian Shepherd mix. Uh and he is 70 pounds and still growing. Mm. Uh, so he's, he's a big dog. And um, Is he with you right now? Yes, of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> Does he spend more time with you than with your husband? Yes. Yeah, he's definitely my dog. Oh. All right, two quick things. One, were you upset that Vin murdered a dog? Uh, no, actually, because the way that dog was described, it needed some murdering. Uh, I don't know if I've uh, told you guys, but Phantom recently was injured by another dog. Oh. Yeah, we had to go to the emergency vet. Uh, He had to get stitches. He had to wear the cone of shame for uh, about a week. And uh, I was really upset about this other dog. Like, other people are allowed to go out with their untrained dogs (laughs) and menaces and I've got this good boy who has never heard a fly, and yet he's the one with the cone of shame. How is that fair? I think he would like to hurt a fly if he had a chance to, if he could like see he one, it, yeah. and if it would hold good. still long enough, and then he could play with it, and then when he's done playing with it, he could eat it, and then he'd have a fly. Yes, yeah, that is absolutely how that would go down. But... No, like, he's really good with my cats. He's really good with uh, my friend's children. Um, Every time I've taken him out in public, like, I I take him with me to, uh, like, the pet store and the the hardware store that allows dogs. And I've taken him to the farmer's market several times. He is so good with people. And, And yet... He had to wear the cone of shame. I was so mad. So, yeah, that that's what I was thinking about when Vin had to murder a dog. It's like... I mean, I felt bad, a little bit bad, but of course, he's also described as a jerk of a dog. And it's, it's funny that, like, Brandon sort of gives you these excuses for, right? you don't really need to like him because of reasons. And that way he's killed. It's like, eh, that's okay. Uh, the second thing also, I want to... Vin murdered that dog because it was described as being unconscious when she presented it to the Chandra. Yeah, I mean, Tensoon could kill it. Well, it wasn't. Th- that was actually Orsir at the time. Right. So he could kill a dog. So maybe Vin didn't necessarily kill him. Okay. Anyway, but what was your second thing? My second thing is that uh, when Shadow eventually passes, hopefully not for a very long time. The next dog you get as a replacement should be named Tensoon. Uh, no, and it's not Shadow, it's Phantom. Phantom, dang but, it, uh, sorry. I already have future names picked out for all my animals. But replacement puppy is Tensoon. Nope, mm-mm, sorry. What is the, well, what's the name then? Well, see, we have a naming scheme. I don't know if I've told you before, but all of our pets are named after the unquiet dead. So Phantom is our dog to go with our cats, Spooky, Spectre, Wraith, and Shade. Mm. Um, yeah, so in the future, a uh, future dog name would be Spirit. 
Oh. And um, future cats, if it's gray, it needs to be Bodak because those are gray things. And uh, other names on the list include Banshee and Revenant. Wow. And yeah. Skellington. So. I can maybe get Skellington in there somewhere. That I'll add it to consideration list. <laughs> so, to, so to go in with my point of this being my favorite part of the books, my, my second favorite is the interactions with Ellen and Tinwell. Tin, tin, Tinwell? Yes, those are very good. Which we kind of glossed so over her. Well, yeah, because she doesn't do anything yet. Yeah. yeah. Like, we haven't even really... I didn't want to bring it up with Dave to say, hey, you should pay attention to her. I'm just sort of like, let them worry about it later. Because it's gonna, you know, she's she's gonna come up. And that's in what, chapter 13, I think, actually. Uh, Yeah, she comes in at the end of chapter 13, and then chapter 14 is sort of her introduction proper. But the part where she's Terrace and is supposed to be tall and lanky like all Terrace are... Uh, yeah. I, I keep picturing her as Edna Mode from The Incredibles. <laughs> it's the personality. Yes, that. I'm looking forward to our casting. Maybe I'll actually participate this time. I have to. Man, that'd be great if you could. Ah, oh, I'm gonna. I'll. I'll have my wife will help. You only have to add like three characters. We got Tinwill. We'll have Penrose or Penrod. Sorry, uh, Alarain, Set. Strallerian. You know what? I can't pronounce names. Zane. Okay, so more than three, but still. We got it, some. We got some new you characters. You've got to add characters to the list that we've previously come up with for you, so surely, surely you can get that in. I've been thinking about it every week, so that way I'm ready when we do it. But yeah, so I definitely love those interactions just because of like the way they interact and you can start seeing like I'm much further along than where we are in the recording and you can definitely start seeing the effects of what she's teaching like Ellen still lapses back to his old ways but every now and then there's that flicker of like what he'll become and I'm like that's so cool yes um So, do either of you have anything else? Otherwise, I've got a couple, of, a couple of things. I want right. to talk about what the heck Breeze's endgame plan was. So, number one, he brought Set's army. Number two, he ran away, and there was no guarantee anyone would save him. It's only because Vin happened to have Duralium and could do amazing things. Duralumin. I don't think that was his plan. I think... You know, Set found out about him and his daughter and went a little crazy. crazy. I don't think Breeze was planning to get caught with that. For one thing, I don't think it ever occurred to him that he would be in a relationship with anybody at all. Because, yep. as the other characters have said, Breeze is more concerned about Breeze. Yep. And so, yeah, Ulrian, um Entering into relations with him was not part of the plan. It was never part of the plan. And definitely getting caught and having to run for his life, that, that wasn't planned. Yeah. I think so he was going to sort of happen. And that then he was just going to go walking in and be like, hey guys. Okay. That's fair. But did he know? Because how long have they known about Straff's army? Like, 
they weren't besieging for that long and certainly longer than or shorter than Breeze leaving. So how did like Breeze even know that an army was needed or was it just sort of assumed, you know what, whoever takes control of these other dominances, they're going to try to come to Luthadel. So I better be proactive and get set back here, like to also come to Luthadel to be able to, you know. I think it was it was more that second thing, and also, like for the for the specific timing, um, Breeze was one of Set's top advisors right up until he wasn't anymore. Uh, he would have had access to scout reports, so he would know exactly where like Straff's army was. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, I would imagine that he would have seen the army being amassed, like, oh, Straff is moving forces around. Oh, hang on, now he's got an army. Wait a minute, he's getting that army ready to move. So, like, there would have been a proper lead-up to that army appearing outside of Luthadel that would have given him time to maneuver his own forces around. Yeah, just because Ellen's government is incompetent and doesn't keep an eye on anyone on anyone or anything around them doesn't mean that Set is the same. True. Okay. And, oh man, Ellen's government is super-duper incompetent. Holy crap, they screw so much up. They do. Uh, seems familiar. I wonder if it was modeled on anything in real life. Well, on that note... So man. yeah, I have... I have at least one thing that I want to go into before we run into time issues that we're already getting close to. Um, that is, and I'm surprised we've never talked about these before, Sanderson's Laws of Magic. Are you guys familiar with these at all? We have talked about this before, but it's been a while. No, 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 no. Not not the rule systems that his magic goes by. No, his... no, you're talking about how he comes up with a magic system. He has certain rules that he follows as a creator. I sort of am, but here, let me link you the, the thing. No, I, I know what you're... I've, I've read this before. I know what you're talking about. Okay, so specifically Sanderson's first law, which is the most important, I think, uh, and that is an author's ability to solve conflict with magic is directly proportional to how well the reader understands said magic. Yes. Um... Basically, it's it's why it's kind of unsatisfying that Gandalf shows up at the end and makes everything better, because we don't know how his magic works. Yeah. So, like, what can Gandalf do with his magic? Anything? Then why did he need Bilbo and the dwarves? Dunno. Dragon, I, mean, I guess. This, this sort of goes back into Mistborn 1, where, like, okay, you understand what Vin can do. But there's also questions of, like, the bronze piercing. There's the whole, why did he suddenly get old? Which which is explained later. But at the time, it's sort of like, what's going on? But I feel like it's better handled later on in Mistborn. He, see, he starts following the law more and more. And maybe it's because we start understanding more of how Allomancy and Furukami and Hemalurgy work. Um, but you can, so, yeah. you can see he's starting to set this up with... Dor Al Umin. Wow. Wow. Dur How do I say I can't say it. You had all the syllables there. Dor Al Umin. Dor Al Umin. Dor Al Umin. 
Yeah, but that, you can see he's setting that up because it's going to play a part later on. Okay. This is off topic, but you guys just reminded me. Uh, so in the library, I had a bulletin board that was an empty tree. And then I had paper leaves that people could write something on and then we would pin it to the tree. And it, because it was for Thanksgiving. And so it was, okay. I am thankful for. And this one little kid came in and he wanted to write mama, but it just kept going. It was mama, mama, mama. We had to tell him, no, you can, you can stop now. You got enough. You got enough. <laughs> anyway, sorry, but you just made me think of that. Um, so but, the, uh, the so other yeah, two laws of magic, um, the first law of magic, uh, I was actually thinking about it as I read, uh, chapter 11, um, or was it chapter 10? Wherever it was that Ven jumps off the wall to save Breeze. Um, just that was chapter how 11. Well, yeah, how well Sanderson has introduced us to Alamancy, uh, because it's talking about Ven, um, pushing and pulling and, you know, burning all these different metals and just how it flows so naturally in that descriptive passage that, um, at, at this point in the series, it's, we don't even question how it works nope. anymore. It, yeah. Uh, so anyway, the other laws of magic carrying on. And that, that is a good, I mean, that is part of what I really enjoy when I read a book like this is the fact that we can be like, okay, this makes sense. We know how this works. And this is directly in, in, um, it's just, yeah, it, it, there's a path from point A to point B that we can get there. And understand it, not be like, eh, magic! Alright, so there are three other laws. There's a second law, a third law, and a zeroth law. Uh, I don't want to go into them just yet. I just sort of want us to keep them in mind as we're as we're reading, and maybe bring it up again later when examples come up. Uh, the second mention what the laws are. I'm doing that. Okay. The second law is that limitations are more important than power. So what a magic system can't do is more interesting than what it can do. And that weaknesses and costs make magic more interesting. Uh, the third law is to expand on what you what you have already before you add something new. Um, which I think is fairly self-explanatory. And then the zeroth law, this is, this is the Ur law that, that codifies all other laws. Uh, which is make magic awesome, but yeah, just wanted to sort of mention those without necessarily going into them. Because... I mean, it's definitely something you want to consider, especially with the third law to expand before you add something new. Because on the surface, there's a lot of new when it comes to the Cosmere, but I think it's more of an expansion than it is completely new each time. Oh, right. Like as far as say, the Mistborn books go, like, all three of the magic systems and their, and their, like, how they work together, I'm pretty sure Brandon already had figured out before he even started going into, like, the first page of the first book. I mean, there might be some, some more going on that he's worked out since then that, that gets dealt with in, you know, Era 2, Era 3, Era 4 that he hasn't really quite completely meshed out yet, but... Honestly, I would I would assume that he has thought this completely through already before even starting Mistborn One. Um, 
But, yeah, I'm kind of out of stuff at the moment. Anybody else got anything? No, I also am out of stuff. Yep, I think we're good to go. So, alright. Thanks for listening, everybody. I will edit at some point when I get time again. I don't know. Someday. Good night, Internet. Bye. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.